This message comes to you from Withenshaw Community Church, Manchester. We hope that you are inspired and challenged by God's Word. Third thing, what are your values? So values are very important for every organization because they are the guiding principles we live by. So just imagine you are all deciding as a church, there's, you're going to put on a bus, 52 people are invited to go on a trip to London. You know where you're going, you're going to London. You're going on a bus, so you've got your strategy. It's going down the M1. You're going to go all the way down into past Watford, into London. There you're going to spend the day. Just imagine getting there, and when you spill out of the bus, you're kicking each other, you're thumping each other. Nobody's talking to each other. That's about your values. Because you can get where you're going. You can uh, have your strategy for getting there, but we want to make sure that you're doing it with the value of the kingdom in the process. And I think many churches suffer. They've got a mission and they've got some strategy, but actually they're fighting each other and they're falling over each other and they're falling out because they haven't specified their values. Now, in legacy, we've got just three things. No mask, no gasp, only Jesus. The reason for this is, right, if you come to Legacy Church, we don't want you wearing a mask. We want you being who you are. Take down, be authentic, be who you are. We don't care who you are because we're not going to gasp. We're not going to, oh, can't believe that. So I'll give you an illustration. Some of you, right, will feel like shooting me right now, but this is our reality as a church. So I'm, I haven't been in church for a month throughout August. I come back in um, beginning of September. I'm standing at the back in our church just looking at people coming through. And one of our girls called Laura, who's got saved about six months ago, she, she emailed the church and she says, what do you think about homosexuals, lesbians? Can I come to church? We said, of course you can come to church. We'd love you to come to church. She came to church, sat in church, responded to Jesus, gave her life to Jesus. A month later, two months later, we were going to baptize her. So this is a scenario playing out in our church. So our campus pastor, Matt, said to one of our leaders, can you look out for Laura's wife? when she comes and make sure that she has a, a seat by her. So the leader went, huh? Uh, did, you, did you just say why? Yes, yes, she's married to a woman. So the woman came in, we took her to the front. So anyway, so I'm standing at the back of the church. That's the context of, and I'll say it for this, because I'm standing at the back of the church and here comes Laura with her wife, hand in hand into our congregation, walking through. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know if I like this. This is disturbing. This is, God, our young people, our kids. uh, And then I have to go back to actually no mask, no gasp, because our last one and most important is it's only Jesus. Only Jesus can fix a life. I can't fix her. I can't fix the situation. I can, I can preach and I can, but it's only Jesus. And where are people going to discover Jesus? It's yes. in our meetings. They're not going to meet Jesus if we are full of antagonism against their lifestyles. When I got saved, I was living like a dog. I dyed blonde hair, urine. I was out every weekend blowing all my money, but I got saved because Jesus says, I don't see you where you are. I see you where you can be. You, we, we have to have values that embrace people. Now, that's a challenge because there's people in our church freak out at some of this stuff. And we've got to say, no mask, no gasp. Only Jesus. 
only Jesus. And we bring them back to the value. And when you are dealing with things these days, I think it's really important that we're having values that are not just statements on the walls. We believe in excellence and we believe in integrity. And Do you? Because we can have a list, can't we? We can have loads of things strung up on our wall. We believe in love. Well, love is costly. Love means that you've got to sort out that inner world to go beyond. Jesus loves every one of us. Now, listen, here's a shock for you, right? If I put up on the screen right now every one of our thought life over the last week, I don't think I'd talk to you. Or the things that you've been looking at, or the way that you think about people in your church, or the way that you... Are you with me? We've all got our problems. The only problem for us is we like to categorize that's the wow sin and that's the well that's acceptable gossip we, we all know people gossip jesus says no paul says no in the church there shouldn't be gossip in the church it should be good attitudes and love and and so what we've got to do is not categorize sin but allow jesus to deal with the sinner correctly so we've all got to have values there's a lot i can say on that but i'm not going to go into it because i want to get through to the end the end one is the most important one what about our metrics metrics are how we measure the win so if you've got a mission statement and you've got a strategy and you've got your values how are you doing how are you getting on oh we had a great day what does that mean how many people were in your church last sunday how many were in the week before how many were in last year how many were in five years ago how much money is each person giving per capita oh i haven't got a clue well you should know if you're a leader you should know where your money is the Bible says this, that we should know the state of our flocks, doesn't it? So I want to know how many people are stepping up into leadership, how many people are in our youth meeting, how many people are now part of our teams, how many people are turning up on teams and are not turning up. I get a list every month. I get all of our statistics right across the board. Baptisms, decisions, people in church, people new, people attending, people coming to life groups, people coming. All of, Why? Because I want to know where we are. Why? Because I want to know if we're living our mission. Or are we just playing? Because it's easy to fob it. Statistics don't lie. Oh, we had a brilliant meeting. Yeah, but you know that nobody was there. Oh, it looked full to me. How many of you... I asked Del the other day. Del was preaching away last week, right? I said, how many were in the meeting? And she said, oh, I don't know, 60, 100. 60 or 100. That's, that's a huge difference, isn't it? And you can ask one person, was it, oh, it was full. It was absolutely full. Ask somebody else, well, nobody there. And you think, how is that? Only your statistics actually tell you where you're going. And are you reaching? Are you reproducing disciples? How many are going through our courses? How many people are doing to explore? How many people are on our leadership? How many people are shadowing and finding where they need to go? And so we need to be doing it all. How many people are mentoring people? It's a big one, isn't it? Sitting down with our campus pastors and saying, who are you mentoring, guys? Oh, well, I'm meeting lots of people. I didn't ask you who you're meeting. Coffee's not mentoring. Hello? You can sit with somebody and have a coffee. That's relationship. You can sit across the table and say, okay, I asked you last time, did you do this? Have you done it? I want you to do this. I want you to move on this. I've noticed this about you. Actually, I noticed your attitude last week was stinking in front of the people. I don't want you to do that anymore. That's mentoring. Because now you're digging into them and you're getting them moving. Is that okay? Number five, team alignment. Do we have the right people in the right seats moving in the right direction? So team alignment is really important. It's one of those things you're always playing with. 
isn't it? You're always, you've got people coming in, people, and you have to do what you can with what you've got. But you're trying to get the right people into the right positions. Because if you get the wrong people into the wrong positions, man, it's a pain. Every time I talk to that person, there's a problem. Every time I talk to them, they're negative about what they're on with. So you need to get the right people. Why? Because you want those people to reproduce. There are people in my church who have lots of gift, who are committed to the church, that I do not want to reproduce. I would love them never to reproduce. Because if they did, I've got two problems instead of one. Are you with me? You've... You may not have them in your church if they're all in mine. <laughs> You've got them. If they are talking to somebody on a Sunday morning, you want somebody to get in there. And certainly if they knew, it's, hi, how's it going? Come here. Those kind of people. You don't want them bleeding through. So your leaders are really important. So it's, it's very important you get the right people to reproduce the right people, which reproduces your culture, your values, your mission, your strategy. So you know what this means? Tough conversations. So I got a couple of people in my, um, in my church who are, in, I say in church, in Doncaster, in the campus. That's what I, I tend to, to attend more and tend to preach more. It's the biggest campus. And so over the last couple of months, we've had this problem with one of our guys and one of the girls in the office staff. So we knew there was stuff going on. You can tell, can you, whenever there's a problem. So... I sat down, this, one of them's, anyway, you don't, I don't want to go to details. So, so I sat down with this girl recently and I said, um, I've had to chat to you a couple of times now, yeah. So I said, I'm on the verge now of throwing you out. I'm going to step you down out of everything, but I'm on the verge of throwing you out of the church because you are a disruptive pain to everybody around you. Now, you might think, you can't speak to people like that. Honestly, I did. I went much further than that because she knows what she's doing. She started crying. I said, no, I don't, I don't tears. We've had conversations about this before. If you, in fact, I said, if you ask me right now, you're done. You are finished as far as this church is concerned. You can go to another church. They love you. They'll go, you can join team. But in this church, we don't gossip. We don't criticize. I said, you've been talking about me and Dell. I have. I said, you've been criticizing the team? I have. I knew all the facts, sat down with her, pointed them all, and she said, I know. I said, you've got till next Wednesday to come and see me. You will sit with me, and I will know whether you are going to stay or not by the way that you respond. And I said, if I was you, I'd go and talk to everybody and tell everybody that you're sorry. Out she goes. Fortunately for her, she went up to... As soon as she went out, she went up to one of the leaders, she walked up to her and she said, can I see you a minute? She said, listen, I need to apologize to you. I've been appalling. I've disrespected you. I've dishonored you. I haven't recognized your ministry. I've criticized you. I want you to forgive me. Would you forgive me? And if I do, do this in the future, for me, as soon as I heard that, which I heard two days later, bing, she's in. Why? Because response is more important than what they do. I've spoke so many leaders, so many times I've spoken to leaders, one me, one me, one me, one me, no, it's, she had no excuse, she went out, and she, so anyway, I met her, the, met her, Wednesday just gone, sat her down in a room, and I said, so, how are you doing, she said, can I read a letter to you, I have had to write it, because I, I know that I want to say what it is, so she read through it, all the way through, and I said, actually, I said, I made my decision last week, 
because of the way you went round every one of the team, went to Dell, went to everybody, and actually apologized to every one of them. So I said, that's great, you're in. Now, she's not going to be a leader. She's out of leadership. She's got to now retrain. She's going to go through our academy. She's going to do everything she needs to do because she's got to find a new... And I said to her, you've been working for God, but you forgot God. We can all do it. But we've got to get people. We've got to dig into where people are at. If you're a leader here today and you think you've got a right to lead, can you leave now, please? If you think your ministry is more important than the church, the door's there for you. Are we, are we okay with all this? Because sometimes I've got somebody complaining to me, my ministry, my ministry. Nobody gave you a ministry. Jesus gave you an, an opportunity to be a servant and a slave. I am a bond servant of Christ. And then we walk in church and we say, what about my ministry? So seriously, this guy who's saying, what about my ministry? His world, his world has got so small, it's unbelievable. He was teaching, he was on the platform, he was teaching around a thing, he was doing our academy, doing all the stuff. He's doing nothing because it's all about his ministry. Well, it's not about his ministry. It's about Jesus' church. And when it's about his church, I tell you what, your ministry will explode because nobody's trying to hold you back from doing things for him, but if he's doing it for you. Anyway, I can't keep on about that, sorry. So I've got a whole load of stuff on that we could look at. Culture, culture's really important. Culture comes out of your your understanding of your values. Culture, if you like, is a manifestation of your values. Aaron has put it, as he said, the things that we allow are things that we don't allow. If you don't deal with them, then you are not setting culture somebody else's. And culture is huge. Dictionary says this, the behaviors, belief, characteristics of a particular group, their flavor, identity, what makes them distinct from another group of people. McDonald's has a culture, doesn't it? If you go into McDonald's, temperature, cold. Seats, rock hard. Service, quick. There's no relationship. They don't want to know your name and where you're from and what's going on. Yes, sir, what do you want? Uh, number two. And out it comes to you in paper and, and cardboard so that you sit there. And if you sit there thinking, oh, I'll do a bit of work, within 10 minutes you're thinking, well, it was cold in you. Because they turn it up because they want you in and out. They don't build huge places for you to eat because they want you quick you go into starbucks it's hot colors are all mild in mcdonald's they're red yellow and they oh, they scream at you you don't feel relaxed you almost feel on edge when you go into starbucks it's opposite hey how's it going what's your name put your name on the cup grace no no why because they're wanting you no stay plug in sit down all the seats are why because it's about the experience not one is fast food, the other is about... It's a culture. Yes. What's your church like? Ship them in, ship them out? Or is it, no, let's have a cup of coffee, let's get to know you? Yeah. Is it warm and friendly? When you walk into your church, do you know where the toilets are? Do you know what's happening with the kids' ministry? When you're doing your service, and you're having communion, is everybody screaming on the inside, thinking, oh, what are they going to make me do? I, I keep telling our guys, and they don't get it. I said, please, on a Sunday, will you stop saying to everybody, let's raise our hands? You know, let's pray. We're going to pray if you want, if you, you know, raise your hand. Stop it. Because if you're brand new, you think, oh. Little things are really important, aren't they? And so your culture, is it warm, inviting connection? And you've got to create your culture. 
You've got to create it. That means the worst thing about it, if you're going to create it, you've got to confront it and challenge it. And so I got it there, communicate about it, carry it through. You've got to get people who will carry it. If the senior leader is the culture creator, he cannot be the culture challenger. Because it'll always be, let's pick on Steve. Aaron always picks on Steve. If Steve is the one who sets the culture and he's the one who has to carry the culture, that means Steve's the bad boy. So when, everybody, when Steve's out of the room, everybody will mess around. And when Steve comes, oh, Steve's here, we've got to behave. You can't have that. You need it throughout the organization. So you need every leader carrying culture. What do we believe? We believe in this, right? That's what we're going to fight for. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure we do that all the way through so we get it. We get our culture through our stories, through the celebrations, and through our heroes. Don't advertise somebody or promote somebody or put somebody on the platform who doesn't carry your culture. If they're Mr. Miserable, they should stay off your platform. If they're Mr. Negative, keep them off the platform. Because otherwise you're saying, this is what we want you to be like. And we don't want you to be like that. We want you to be life givers. Final thing, weekend services. Are we doing okay? Oh, we've got 10 minutes. We're fine. 15 minutes. Weekend services are absolutely crucial because for me, now I know it's different and whatever you call your service, whatever that meeting is for you. Remember the old days it used to be the six o'clock gospel service. So that would be that type of service. These days, for most of us, it's our Sunday morning service. Talking to Steve earlier, they're trying to do something on a Thursday and they're trying to... So whatever that service is for you, that, that outreach meeting, that outreach ministry has to be totally committed to what you're doing. Now, my guess is for most of us in church, right, we're trying to double up. We're trying to teach deep, but apply light. We're trying to have, you know, an encounter with God in worship, but also we're trying to reach people. You can't have 45 minutes of worship and hope that you're going to get your church full of new believers. I would be bored after 45 minutes, let alone somebody new. Sorry, that's a bad thing to say, isn't it? But it's true. I would. I, th I don't think we built for that anymore. It used to be. I don't think we are anymore because our culture has changed. And when you change a culture, you're reprogramming people how they behave. Now, if you have 45 minutes of, of worship, that is fine. But your purpose can't be to reach people. Because people are going to find that really hard. I don't care how brilliant it is. It's going to be very hard for you to do it. If you're going to teach for an hour on a Sunday morning about the Antichrist's armpit and about the ten toes in the book of Revelation... <laughs> Seriously, there's nothing wrong with teaching like that. If you teach like that, you know what I mean? No problem. But if you're doing that on a Sunday, understand this, you're probably not going to be attracting new people in. That's true. There's you see, your mission dictates. Now, if you were saying, we want to build a church that is exclusive for holy people that love the Bible, then maybe that's what you'll do. Honestly, that's what you'll do. But don't try and do everything Find your mission and go for it. Because if you don't, you're going to end up creating all manner of problems. Listen to Deuteronomy 1 verse 6 to 8. And the Lord God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples. And he talks to where you go. See, I have given you this land. Take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, Jacob, 
and descendants after them. So God is saying, so Moses now, this is after 40 years wandering in the wilderness, he's saying, can you remember what it's all about? Can you remember what we did? He said, at Horeb, God said, you've been at this mountain long enough. Come on, it's time to possess the land. What was God's heart for Israel? Wilderness wandering? No, possession. Moving into a new land, moving into sowing and reaping, moving into their inheritance, getting the kingdom extended. It was going through. But what did he say? You stayed at Horeb long enough. What was Horeb? It was the mountain. It was the place where Moses had a revelation at the burning bush. So it was a place of revelation. It was a place where the law was given. So it was a place where God spoke to his people. It was a place where where Moses struck the rock and the water gushed out of it. So it was a place of refreshing. It was a place of encounter. So Horeb to the people was this, this is where God moves. This is what God does. And God says, I want you to move on from living at Horeb. I want you to take Horeb into a new territory. I want you to contaminate a new land with what you've got at Horeb because you're not meant to dwell here. You're meant to live in the kingdom. Most of our churches are at Horeb. God, I hope you speak to me today. God, I hope you, I hope, oh, I hope it's a prophecy today. God, I hope the meeting's good today. I hope Aaron preaches well today. I hope he's more than 15 minutes. Not chance. You missed that one. But whatever it is, whatever it is your people are coming for, most of the time, it's a Horeb experience rather than possessing the land. And what me and you need to instill as leaders into our leaders, into our people We need the burning bush. We need revelation. We need the call of God. But you're not called to live in the church and do church. Called to the world, to save the world, to impact the world, challenge the world, to open up the world to everything that God is wanting us to do. The church is not called to be comfortable and safe, but dangerous and risk takers. We're called to invade enemy territory. All around us, there are Jerichos, there are AIs that we need to possess. We need to be splitting up the land. We need to be strategically looking. How do we impact for God? What do we do for you, God? How can we get out? That means, for me, weekend services are all about reaching. All about discipling. All about releasing. All about raising. It's everything. So when people say, why do I need to serve on a team? Because I need to raise you as a leader. I need to see your gift in operation. What do we do with new people? We have to welcome them. Why? Because it's all about reaching. How do we disciple? It's about you training people, training people, training people. So all of us take a step forward together. So we're all possessing this kingdom culture. And we go out into our workplace. And God is continually moving beyond us. Can I... I got 10 minutes, so I just want to say some things about church services. Most of them are badly organized. I love the order today. I came in, there was a run sheet. Aaron's going to get up. Now listen, I know this is a culture. It's a culture for some of us. So it's culturally, we just let it happen. We let the Holy Spirit move. We're not living in a culture where it's, let's see what happens. Our world out there wants to turn up, know what time it starts, know what time it finishes because they've got dinner, they've got to take the kids, they've got to, and we say, oh, well, you know, we start at 10 and finish by 3 or whatever we do. No, no, people, people want order. I want order. I want to turn up on time 
I want to start on time. I want to know what's going. I want God encounters in the middle of it, but I want to know. You know, we finished by 20 past 12. We started at 11, finished by about 20 past 12. I'm saying, the guys, we've got a bit more flexibility, but we're done by 12.30. Why? Because that's what we choose. We have another hour then of coffee. So it's not like the meeting's over. People then can go if they want to or can stay if they want to. That's when all the ministry happens. That's when all the connections, that's when all the life happens. But most meetings are badly organized. I've turned up, you would not believe the number of meetings I've turned up in. I've turned up at 10 past 10 for a 10.30 start and 10 to 11, I'm still sitting on my seat. We haven't even started worship yet. And I think, and we're trying to say to people, you're important, we value you. Start on time. Yeah, but there's nobody in church. Start on time. You don't, you're, not, you're not setting your clock by who's not there. You're starting your time. Otherwise, what you're doing is saying to you lot who are here, you're irrelevant. We're going to wait for Joe Bloggs to come, and they are more important. Start on time. And in your meeting, have, think about what you're communicating. Think about how you're saying things. Like I say, watch your language. Don't, don't go into Christianese. And I know you've heard all this before, but it's so important. I tell you what, if you want to know what your church is like, ask your next door neighbor to come with you. I tell you, you sit in the front row and your bottom will twitch. <laughs> because when your neighbor is there, you hear everything through their ears. You see everything through their eyes. You, you're singing the song and you're thinking, what does that mean? Oh, Jehovah. <laughs> What are they going to think? And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying we have to think. We have to think. So when we sing about Yahweh, sometimes I'll say to our guys, explain it. Hey, guys, some of you, you know, you may be new to church today. We were just singing about Yahweh. Yahweh is the name of God. And so as we worship today, we're worshiping the God of the Bible. It just gives everybody, oh, that's what it means. I thought it was spelled wrong. No, but seriously. Just think about what you're doing because it's really important. Poorly prepared sermons. Now, I tend to over-prepare, as you can tell. I'm, I'm going to time. But poorly prepared sermons, you know, winging it. Getting up and, and, and just giving like a rubbish sermon. Stop it. If you were going to preach, preach the word in season and out of season. If you can't find anything from God, get on your knees or Get into a book. There's a million ways you can find stuff today, but prepare well. It doesn't matter if it's somebody else's recipe, by the way. Hello? Actually, get over yourself. If you've got nothing, it's better to dig into something that is not yours and make it yours and preach it than to go up there with nothing and say, the Lord didn't speak to me. Well, don't get up then. They need truth. They need passion. They need faith. They need People come to church. Why? Because they want to hear from God. Yeah. And you can yeah. do it in a style and you can do it in a way yeah. that can help them engage with God and get what you've got. Don't yeah. give in to poorly, poorly prepared. Allow creativity. Don't be dry and dull. Okay, open your Bibles. Any of you had a bad week? I've had a bad week this week. Like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Get up then and be life and soul, even if you don't feel like it. Get up and live your faith. Preach out of what you want to see people moving into. Be relevant. We're all, we're all laughing here. I've spoken to Steve, spoken to Aaron. You know, sometimes we do that on a Sunday. I was talking to Jack the other day. Hey, Jack. And, and I'm telling a story. And if you're outside of the meeting, you're thinking, I don't know what they're talking about. Be careful. 
be careful that you're relevant to the new person in. Um, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 5. You all know the story. I don't know the story. In fact, most of you probably. Luke 5, what's that? But don't do it. Well, we all know about Peter and how he was. Do we? But we, we, we think we do. You see, if you are thinking about new people, you understand they know nothing about. When I got saved, I swear before God, I thought Jesus wrote the Bible and it was a book. That's what I thought. So when I went in to church, my mother was a Christian for 10 years before I got saved. I literally thought the Bible was a book written by Jesus full of rules and regulations, basically. I didn't, I'm a clue. And then I got saved and found oh, 66 books. How are you supposed to know if you've never even thought about it? Don't assume. Relevance is not wearing tight jeans and all the things. Relevance is communicating well with your commun community, the people in front of you. And so you can wear a suit if everybody's in a suit. You can wear whatever you want to, but it's being relevant to them, helping them to understand. And then traditional. Don't be wrapped up in your tradition. Are we doing all right? One of the biggest problems we have in church is the problem of change. I've noticed 16 years leading in Doncaster, we've changed the name three times. We've changed venue about 18 times. We've probably changed the whole group of people apart from a few. And change is all in the air, and yet people still fight change. So we were, we were meeting, right, in a gym that we had to set up every day. One of was we used to have to get out early, and it was a pain. It was, it was dirty. It was scruffy carpet because they were used for, for um, drinks, what do you call them, weddings and all that type of thing the night before. And when we moved to our own venue, which we'd been praying about for about 11 years, I noticed this person wasn't in church. And I met her one day in town. I hadn't really noticed in the notice sense, but she hadn't been around type of thing. And I met her in town. I said, hey, how's it going? He says, oh, hi. I said, I haven't seen you for ages. She said, oh, no, no, I didn't come. When, when, you, um, when we moved venue, it, it just threw me. I said, what do you mean? That's what we've been... Yeah, but I, I liked the old one. You liked it. But, of course, she didn't turn up at 7 o'clock in the morning to set it all up and put the... You know what I mean? But it hit me. You know, we think people don't like certain changes. People just don't like change. It doesn't matter what you change, people don't like it. So here's the deal. Just get used to it. Don't fret over it. Don't get upset about it. I'm going to change this. Somebody's going to get upset. Tough. And I don't mean it that, you know. Change everything that you need to to fulfill your mission. Your mission is more important than Mrs. Roberts or Uncle Jack or so-and-so in the front row or elder such-and-such. -such. Our mission has got to be the driving focus of our lives. And if you were here today, it's my final word, I've got one minute to say this, but this is probably the most important thing I can say. If you were here and you don't like your leader, step down now. If you were here and you are not willing to support your leader, step down now. Have the courage of your convictions and think about the kingdom of God, not about what you like and don't like. I heard of a church in London and I'm talking to the guys there. They've got a trustee that is holding them ransom for 18 months. Do you know why? Do you know the terrible thing that the pastor wanted to do? Is change the name of the church. Literally. I think I'd be calling a hit team. 
I hope you're not taping it. I'm very sorry. Now, some of you, right, some of you, you're like, oh, that's, well, I understand that. No, 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 no. This is about the kingdom of God, and we're worrying about the name of a church. If, if that's you as a leader, resign. Do it with a smile. Go and find another church with the same name so you can have the name. You know what I mean? Go and do it. I, I, don't, I joined this for the kingdom of God. And I am in this for the kingdom of God. And I ain't got time, and we ain't got time, and you ain't got time to bend over. You know, if it's abnormal, I can bend forward easily. To bend backwards is really impossible. And some of you are trying to bend over backwards to please some people that need to walk out of your church and find someone else. Not necessarily bad people, but they're not your fit. And it's your fit it's got to be. You don't fit your church to them. We fit it to Jesus. We live for him. I love the church. I love the church. I do. Seriously. I love the church. Listen, she's worth fighting for. She is worth fighting for. When we get to heaven, Jesus ain't going to say, you know, hey, what did you build? He's going to say, hey, thank you for helping me build. We are building his church with him. It's by his rules it's by his vision don't give in to the spirit now listen it's easy for me to say i have been through the fights i've had people scream at me in the middle of church i've had people not talk to me for six months we've had it all but listen i'm doing this because of the cause of god and you've got to do for the cause of god be wise be sensitive and if you teach these things at least when you challenge people they'll know why get a conviction from god you say god we're doing something for you Because I didn't sign up to play about in an organization. I signed up to serve Jesus with all of my heart. Amen? Bow your heads a minute. Father, I want to thank you for every single person in this room. And I pray, first of all, for those who are feeling offended by what I've said. I pray, God, grace into their lives. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want people to feel anything negative. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to serve you. If we are leaders in your church, you've called us to be out front, to be serving you, to be living for a cause, to be doing all that you want us to do. And I pray for every person in this room, Lord. Some of them are facing incredible challenges. Some of them, are in their hearts, they know, Lord, that they've got to confront some issues and they're scared. They don't know how to do it. I get that. But I pray, God, your grace, your wisdom, your strength, your help. Help us all, God, to to really flourish in your kingdom. A lot of the things I've said, probably, Lord, said in the wrong way. I'm sorry for that, but I, I pray that something of your heart for your church has got through to every one of us because you've called us to the most exciting, most incredible journey. We're living in a day where people are devoid of morality and looking around to every single thing to find their identities. I pray, God, we would build churches that would allow them the opportunity of finding you and discovering who they are in you. I pray, Lord, for tomorrow as we gather that there'd be dozens and dozens of people responding to the gospel. And Lord, you would just demonstrate your kingdom with an expression of love and grace into people's lives. 
people who will come in looking for answers into the church, I pray that the word would be powerful into their lives, that would encourage them and lift them and establish your kingdom in their hearts. Repair marriages, heal bodies, deliver, cause there to be an outcome that is glorious to your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. We hope you've been inspired and challenged by this message. For more information about Withenshaw Community Church Manchester, please visit withenshawcommunitychurch.org.